Thank you, insert random talent here, for your rendition of our theme and welcome to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, dedicated to the best comedy show of the 90s ever made, The Late Show and other degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt and due to a cluster f- in my scheduling woes, I forgot about Easter and realised that none of us were available to dissect and destroy another episode of The Late Show. So to make up for the void, here's a best of compilation of us covering season two toilet break segment, Potluck. Now, Potluck was a talent show that screened on Channel 10 in 1987 and it was hosted by Ernie Sigley and judged by Bernard King. And with a rotating seat of guest judges, the general public who were successful at auditioning off-camera were invited inside the studio audience and were randomly, quote-unquote, chosen to perform their few minutes' worth of talent. It could be singing, dancing, bell ringing, playing a goanna, anything that was considered entertainment. When their scores were announced, Bernard was known to be a very harsh but fair judge. That's why we love Bernard. While his scores were usually low, his critiques were second to none. Because of this and other entertaining issues, The Late Show played clips of particular performers to fill the toilet break. We've been having a lot of fun covering these segments and trying to get interviews of contestants who were involved. And we've been moderately successful, as you'll hear later on in the episode. This special covers 15 toilet breaks that were played during Season 2, Episode 1, to Season 2, Episode 15. But what about the others? Well, because at the time of this recording, we still have five more episodes left of The Late Show to review. So make sure you stay subscribed to the Champagne Comedy Podcast. A big thanks to the special guests who we've kind of twisted their arm to review these toilet breaks, such as Peace Week Kid Justin Anderson, Ben G., Liam Renton, Remy Broadway, a.k.a. Piffy the Bell Ringer himself, our US correspondent Stephen Plunkett, Bazura Project's Shannon Marinko, podcast listener Amber, comedian and Tony Martin aficionado Natalie Behensky, and Late Show Work Experience kid Julie Poulter. But also a big shout-out to all our guests who had to review Season 1's Toilet Breaks and dealt with The Magnificent Seven. Just simply download those episodes and you'll know what I mean. So please, enjoy this special, and we'll see you at the end of April 2022 for more episodes of The Late Show. Yes, that is from... David Ty. Yeah, the archives of Potluck. And, yeah, David Ty, uh, what, what a guy. Like, I even tried to find him online, but yeah. his name is so generic. It, uh, it was coming he's up. He's a majestic prince, this man. I, just, I love everything about this. Uh, like, okay, in June 1993, I was pissing myself like a loon at this guy, being just casually racist about it. But now I look on it and I think, amazing. The whole thing, the whole <laughs> thing is incredible. The singing, the dancing, the karate. That. <laughs> yeah, you, you can you can tell that David's quite the fan of Michael Jackson. I think with the, the, mm. the hat on and off and <laughs> and Elvis yeah. as well. And Bruce Lee as well. Yeah. <laughs> he, he almost gave himself whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you have you oh. got Bernard King's commentary on David Ty? Because oh, yeah, j- just unedited. Oh, yeah. He's so scathing on this. Mm. Yeah, very difficult to decide if there's a future for this kind of work. In that opening little spin routine, you almost gave yourself whiplash. I thought that was such a surprise to you. And the dear little dance in the middle with karate kicks as well. What a combination of ideas. 
Perhaps your work would be better in chorus. Perhaps if you were to join a huge chorus. <laughs> 20 to 30,000 chorus. <laughs> Singing-wise, you're not exactly the most enchanting experience I've had, but dance-wise, you're disastrous. And pissing himself, absolutely losing it. <laughs> like I so what, yeah. Yeah, what was the original score out of? So it was 15 out of? 100. 100? <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's pretty low. <laughs> I remember Potluck because when I was home from school during the holidays or off sick, that would be on TV. And so I was so excited to see Potluck shown at the to- at the toilet breaks. And that was only about six years prior. It seems like when you watched it at the time that it was – decades yeah. old but it was, it was, like, it was about eight, 87 wasn't it yeah so, yeah, yeah I, I used to watch it on school holidays as well and and the concept was basically there's a whole audience full of potential contestants and and which ones actually appear is potluck they kind of literally draw them out of a hat or something like that and then they they have the celebrity judges i think they've always got bernard king but they have people i think i think bert newton was on it i think ann wills was on it everyone's favorite adelaide personality that various people like that came on to be judges and and yeah you never knew who was coming up next on the show which is why you got such a wide variety of, of talent. Unprepared, unrehearsed talent. Yeah, pretty much. I love the way that uh, Tony Martin uh, introduces this, uh, introduces us to the concept because he, he asks the audience, do you remember Potluck? And yeah. not, not a response. And the chastising. <laughs> You remember Potluck, yes. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, he, like, he, he goes through it, you know, like, it was in 1987, it was hosted by Ernie Sickley, one-hour <laughs> talent show, Monday to Friday, Channel 10. You remember, don't you? And then, and then uh, throws in that it's not to be confused with Pot of Gold, quote, it's poor cousin, I assure you, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> so so he, re- he really sells it. And then, yeah, David Ty comes on. And, uh, yeah, I think everybody remembers Potluck uh, yeah. once they see David Ty. And guess who it is? It's the Spangles. Yeah, there's, there's a few of us doing the, the choreography in the webcams here. <laughs> oh, Unfortunately, I, I can't do the box step because I'm sitting down, but I, I'm doing the box set, the box step in, in my dreams. <laughs> Wait, if you just wiggle around, sorry, I'm going off mic. It makes it look like. Yeah, there we yeah go. okay. I'm, I'm doing the box step. That, that, I, I love it when they go into the box step. But also they the bit where they, they clap and they turn, that that's oh god. I love the arm <laughs> twist. <laughs> yeah. To raise the arm, twist it and yeah. there's a bit where they go, Woo! Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. quite, quite quite obviously they're sort of singing after the banana rama version, but the, the the band that are in the studio seem to be sort of more it's more the shocking blue version they're playing. We tried to Google the, the Spangles to see if there was anyone that vaguely resembled who they are now. But, yeah, they, they did a very good job of suppressing their <laughs> existence from all social media. You have those, you know, reputation managers that try and kind of 
delete your identity from online. I couldn't find anything about them. Could, could oh, anyone else? No, because what's not to love about this act? It's actually amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no shame. It's, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. They're, they're, I mean, they're, I, spangles, they're, they're Spangles by name and Spangles by costume. They're very, <laughs> yeah. very shiny, uh, yeah, glittery, puffy uh, outfits that they've gone and uh, got on. And basically they're just having fun by the looks of things. Yeah, it's it's two kids. They're what are they about ten years old, roughly? I suppose these two girls, and Mm. you know they they were doing their best, I suppose. But part of me did want Red Simons to come on with his gong and just get rid of them because (laughs) (laughs) they weren't great. And I'm sure Bernard King has got some interesting things to say about them. We were at all sure that the material's appropriate for two dear little girls, but I, I couldn't understand the lyric of the song, so it probably doesn't matter very much. Will you promise me that you won't listen to your friends when they say you're wonderful? The one way to improve as a promising entertainer is to never believe your family or your friends because they'll say you're wonderful and they're lying. Kindly dedicate the next 10 or 12 years of your life to to dance class. Go to ballet. You will learn so much more. Everything is beautiful at the ballet. Very ill-prepared work, young ladies, 20. Very ill-prepared work, young ladies, 20. Perfect. He was so mean. (laughs) I don't know. I think think he was kind of right. (laughs) We'll we'll add to those things too that when you hear those Bernard grabs and there's audience laughter and that's late show audience laughter and not actually potluck, when you actually see those things, there's no laughter in the actual footage. No, because yeah. people are being flayed alive. Yeah. <laughs> so for those following along at home, uh, that puts the Spangles uh, at first place on the leaderboard with 20 points. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, David Ty coming in on, uh, in second place uh, with 15 points for his uh, John Farnham slash uh, Michael Jackson impression. Who will win? Act five. Oh, one of my favourites. Krista Kroll. And apparently a large number of potluck fans had written in requesting it, apparently. Yeah, apparently. I like to think this is true. <laughs> I tried to find her for the, this podcast and... Oh, it's so goddamn hard. The only mm. person I could find that is in relation to her is someone with the same name but with a double L in the surname. But I yeah. I, I can't tell mm. if that's her or not, like going by the photos. So but, I, I should have messaged. I should have. Chris Kroll is very much a stage name. <laughs> yeah. It's not real to me at all. I think after that sort of performance, yeah, you, you'd want a, a, a nom de plume. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah this, is, she, this is just like amazing because both the key and the timing are both way off. And she does things like singing the chorus during the verse and like trying to hold back and try and find her place. It's just, oh, I can understand why it must have been so memorable to all those potluck fans. <laughs> and she knew she was she was out of tune and out of place. Oh yeah, she, she wasn't yeah. following oh, yeah. the music. Yeah. Might have been it's something like, wrong with it. I, I know. I know people love this one. But uh, this one to me really illustrates the cruelty of this show. Like oh, either yeah, way, yeah. even though we didn't have reality TV back in 1987, this was the beginnings of it because it, they really obviously just 
pulled her out of a waiting audience. She'd probably been waiting four hours or some bullshit. And they chucked her on stage and they just said, go. You know, there was no kind of, this is how we're going to do it. This is how the arrangement is. Do you know the words? She probably freaked out. You know, she wasn't used to the studio at all. It's just, it just doesn't seem at all nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to, I think that probably one of her problems there is that she's, she's probably rehearsed a few times using a backing track or something. And then suddenly she's got this live band mm. and, you know, even though in the, in the footage it looks like the band are right behind her. I reckon she couldn't hear them properly, but also they were mm. playing it differently to how she'd rehearsed it and she yeah. just couldn't adapt to it. So I, I think I think part of it's kind of not really her fault and, and you can see on her face that, that mm. she knows it's going wrong. And I think the previous week they had that problem as well. Like they, they'd obviously been rehearsing to a different version of the song and the band played something that they weren't expecting. So so it is, it's a really difficult ask to get an amateur to just suddenly play with a band they're not familiar with who are going to play the music differently to how they rehearsed it. So I, I feel a bit of sympathy for Krista. Well, someone's yeah. written here on one of the videos where it's posted a certain location on Facebook uh, saying that um, the band's in the wrong key and they can't tell, can't they tell she's in F sharp, B flat, minor, seventh with a D major. <laughs> I'm not going to fact check that. Yeah, I'll just take their word for it. So the person on Facebook is saying that the band couldn't hear her and adjust their the key that they were playing yeah. in. So I think they're illustrating that God knows what fucking key she's in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's awesome. Uh, if only auto tune was available back then. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Krista. But there is one positive spin out of this, and that is our favourite. Bernard. You're blessed with being very good to look at. I'd be content to be a fashion model. Not every model has to sing, you know. And I, I really honestly feel that your future's in just looking gorgeous. Some dumb blondes look good as dumb redheads. Just be content not to sing. Ten. Thank you. Ten. Oh, says, thank you to Bernard at the yeah. end. <laughs> yeah. Sure thank you. <laughs> if he had actually not been so cruel as to say the dumb blonde misogynist fucking bullshit. <laughs> mm-hmm. If he just left it to you look pretty, leave it at that. It's almost like, she, you know, she, that's the part she takes on as a compliment. She's gone, oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> as like. <Bam. laughs> but no, it's not because he's horrible. <laughs> Uh, we all love Bernard, so yeah, yeah it, I've got nothing. <laughs> all right, well, uh, just uh, updating the potluck leaderboard, uh, Crystal Krull comes in third on 10 points with her uh, version of You Keep Me Hanging On, um, just uh, five points away from David Tyre, who did Pressure Down In Episode 1 on 15 points. He's in second place. And uh, at the top of the leaderboard on 20 points uh, from episode two, the Spangles who did Venus. A real treat for lovers of bell ringing there in the introduction. Give me the bell ringer playing the Lady of Spain. But I wasn't sure whether to play that one or this one. Don't you just love like throughout Piffy's performance? You you occasionally see a shot of Bernard looking absolutely enchanted by Piffy. 
Oh. He just he just adores him, doesn't oh, he? I love him. It's, yeah. it's you know that that segment rounds out the. And now that we've all aired them, I can say that why I think that this is the most iconic episode of the Late Show of all time. The top four in my mind most repeated and requested things: Mick and his undies on Ernie and Denise, champagne comedy, no more Melbourne cliches, and Piffy the Bell Ringer are yep. four just legendary skits from the Late Show history. And when I realised they were all in the one episode, I was blown away going, mm. could there be a better episode to represent mm. the, the show? I don't think there is. I think this is probably the best episode they've ever done. Going into the museum. It's great. Going right there. Anyone with kids would know that uh, there was a period there when my two daughters were younger and we bought them a set of bells. And, and it was just a normal set of bells exactly like that that you buy from Toy World. Yeah. And I'd, get, I'd line them up on the bench in the kitchen and my, my daughters would play these bells, just ding-a-ling-ling. And I used to call them Piffy for years. I'd say, come on, Piffy, play your bells. <laughs> they had no idea why I was calling them Piffy. But I'd always, every time they played the bells, I'm like, do it again, Piffy, do it again. And they didn't know why they'd give me dirty, weird looks. Like, it's not Piffy, Dad. You are today. You're my Piffy. Just keep those bells. Well, here is Bernard's result, his judgment on Piffy. He's subjective to the performance of one so attractive and so young. You really have to close your eyes and say he's only little. Don't get carried away, Bernard. He's against ballerinas and singers and musicians and all kinds of grown-ups. But you're damned good anyway, you see. Thank 40, you. young man. You're 40. 40. Piffy popped up a while ago, uh, a decade or two later, he popped up on a Where Are They Now? Does anyone remember seeing him? He was, he was a grown man. Do you remember seeing him later on in life when he came back? And I know that he's done a he did a web series for a little while as well back in the early days of YouTube. Yeah, right. Yeah, so he's done the rounds, and then he ended up owning a nightclub or a restaurant and bar, I should say, on the Gold Coast. Did he do the bell ringing act uh, at at the nightclub and bar? This is the dance track. I, I have to say, Piffy is rock solid at those bells, isn't he? I mean, He's that good. is that is it's a it's a beautifully, perfectly rehearsed and performed act. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you think of the act, he he does it perfectly, and you know he absolutely deserves the forty points from Bernard. And the beautiful flourish at the end when he does it, yes, gorgeous sort of. What a performer oh. for someone for someone so young and so attractive. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was I was noticing quite a lot of fancy footwork uh, um, underneath the table as well, going from one end of the uh, bells to yeah. the other. Yeah, so, so he's, he's certainly got a lot of show business in him uh, uh, doing this uh, this number. I reckon he's eaten a lot of iron as well to, to be able to do that performance <laughs> from the bells themselves. Yeah. All right. So with that forty point winning performance, uh, Pippi storms into the lead. Uh, in first place with Lady of Spain. Second place on 20 points, we've got the Spangles from Episode 2. Third place with 15 points, David Ty from Episode 1. And uh, last, uh, fourth on 10 points, is uh, Crystal Krull with her uh, valiant effort from Episode 3. Guest reviewer and Bell aficionado, you might remember him from, I don't know, maybe this. <laughs> There's going to be plenty more where that came from. <laughs> We've got Remy Broadway. <laughs> Otherwise known as Piffy the Bell Ringer. Hello. <laughs> okay. Well, what is the origin of the name Piffy? So when I was little, I was in this pantomime and I was playing Wee Willy Winky. I came out on the stage, I was you know, a little kid and I said, uh, I'm Wee Willy Winky, I run through the town, blah, blah, blah. And then at some point during the show, 
this kid who doesn't believe in fairy tales called me Winkle Piffle. And I was very indignant. I said, oh, he called me Winkle Piffle. And it kind of stuck. Act five, the Nelligan sisters singing Madonna's True Blue. <laughs> I love I love these two. They they are they obviously thought that they were doing a really great job, and then they realised pretty soon into the song that they weren't. And I'd, I'd love to I'd love to know what you think of this act, Remy, the Nelligan sisters. What 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 would you give them out of you know fifty or whatever? <laughs> oh, I'm not a Bernard King, you know. I try to be nice. <laughs> Some is that possible with this act? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, I I'd like to yeah encourage them to seek other things to focus their talents on. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, just watching, because I, I re-watched the episode recently just to refresh my memory, because I, I had no memory of this particular act. I don't know where I was at the time. Maybe I was in the green room or prepping or something, but I don't remember seeing these two. And looking at them now, I'm thinking, oh, I thought it was just a regular talent show. And I'm looking at these girls and thinking, surely they've deliberately put them in there because they're not very good. <laughs> From my recollection, I... The, the, the acts were essentially chosen at random, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they were. It, it, that's hence the name Potluck. I think, they, I think their number okay, was yeah. drawn out. But, I mean, clear, clearly I, I reckon they rigged the draw in some instances so they would get a good mix of performers. Yeah, well, I, mean, I don't want anyway. to reveal anything, but as far as I knew, I, I, I was already planned to go on. So when they uh-huh. the number, right. I already knew that I was going to perform. Um, yeah. so planned I, Potluck. Planned Luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't really potluck after all. They they'd actually curated maybe, a, a bunch of acts to a, go on it. Yeah, maybe that was the thing is that they had some good acts and some not so good acts. Did you have yes. to do like a pre audition thing beforehand so they could I, an idea I don't remember, to be honest, but I would have probably had to, yeah. Just a quick one though. Was there any option for when you did your performance you had you had the live band there for you, correct? Yeah, for Mary, that was a tape. Tape, okay. Yeah. I, I can't remember. Some shows, I honestly don't remember. Some shows I had sheet music and the, the band would play live. Others, we had a recording to play off. Yeah, because I know not... that, say, with uh, Crystal Call uh, from a previous episode, while <laughs> she was standing there singing um, off-key, uh, quality off-key, uh, but the band yeah. was there playing in the background. <laughs> she, she, was, she was also way off time, just to, just to uh, recap mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I think because it might have been live because the, the backing track was a bit different. If, if you watch, you'll notice I actually start too early. So it could be the intro is a bit different from what I was used to. If you watch, you'll see, you go, I go, ding, yeah, ding, yeah. ding. Mm. Um, So, yeah, maybe it was a live band and they just I just didn't, I don't remember, honestly. I was looking at the audience, so I wasn't paying too much attention. Don't blame you. It was such a long time ago. And it was a very long time. I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the lockdown is doing that to all of us, Remy. <laughs> it's the lockdown. You were doing some fancy footwork um, underneath the, mm-hmm. the table in that, uh, in that potluck uh, uh, clip, though. Yeah. Yeah. My mum tells me that my dad, because my dad used to play the bells, and apparently he did very similar footwork. So I don't know why. It's just <laughs> part of the getting into the, the moment, jeans. Yeah, yeah, the jeans. Mm. Just very quickly to, to go back to the Nelligan sisters, it's amazing how much of a time capsule this uh, potluck is because mm. 
Um, yeah, it's from 1987, and uh, the sisters are doing a Madonna um, track from 1986, and we, we we do get this sort of interesting sort of flavour of of mid to late 80s throughout some of these other potluck um, uh, clips. Yeah, I, I will say uh, because Daniel, you're based in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. I'm based on the Gold Coast, but I come from New South Wales or mainly southwest Sydney, Campbelltown. So when they <laughs> mention, when Brendan mentions they're from Campbelltown, I'm not sure if it's Campbelltown, New South Wales or Campbelltown, South Australia. Yeah, I was kind of wondering that as well. But How rude was he when he said Campbelltown or where? Oh, it's so is. snobby, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's like it's cultural wasteland and you're just not going to get it. Are there any musicians in Campbelltown? <laughs> oh, fuck off, Ben. <laughs> well, my Campbelltown uh, had Nathan Foley from High Five and Human Nature spring from there. So that's all I've got. Well, that's so there are musicians in Campbelltown. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it is the Adelaide Campbelltown then. I don't know. Yeah, but well, uh, was pot, was pot, I thought potluck was made in Adelaide. I, I don't know if it was. Was, was it Remy or was it Melbourne uh, we, or somewhere? We filmed in Brisbane. Oh, Brisbane. Really? Okay, I'm pretty nice. sure I filmed in Brisbane. And maybe okay. they did tours. Yeah, that, yeah that's uh, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because mm. because uh, well, uh, there is uh, oh, there is one act a, a lot a lot further down in the series um, who uh, is well known in Adelaide. Right, well, I'll play you uh, Bernard's uh, reaction. Women aren't doing well today, are they? <laughs> 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 the girls. What preparation did you two do? <laughs> you found the frock and you combed your hair and you put on your eyeshadow. But what else did you do? Well, we didn't really do that much practice. You certainly <laughs> didn't. <laughs> didn't you learn the damn lyric of the song and you scratch your nose on stage just awful work, girls. Are there any musicians in Campbelltown or wherever that is? Anyone that you can rehearse with? No. No, leave the suburb, darling. Go, go somewhere where there's music and musicians and art and beauty all around you and don't listen to Madonna ever again. Poor darlings. What a handicap you must have. You don't get the job after 16 or 2. 16, wow. Mm. Campbelltown. Oh, God. Fair enough to have a go at them for not rehearsing properly, but but some of those comments are really a bit on the nose, aren't they? I just oh, love the fact that one of the Nelligan sisters just like, yeah, we we you need one. Yeah, no, we practice. No, you did not. <laughs> but also, can we talk about their costume or not costume, but their outfit? It's oh, like, oh yes, God. Oh, the bros, teacher, isn't it? <laughs> All I'm reminded of is that outfit that Violet Beauregard wears yes. in Billy Wonka before she blows up. Or maybe it's the one yeah. after she blows up. It's like it's that shade of violet. It is. Mm-hmm. But the the drop waist as well, that was such a mid eighties look, wasn't it? The yeah. drop waist and the bows Elton on it and, and and that 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 shiny fabric. Oh god, I used to wear stuff like that in the eighties when I, I was a little girl. Those, but teenagers didn't look quite so good in that stuff. It was kind of fabulous that it was true blue. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> well done, Nelligan sisters. With their score of sixteen, Daniel, what have you got so far with the potluck scores? Okay, so uh, the Nelligan sisters getting sixteen that puts them into third place um, on the uh, potluck leaderboard from uh, what we've seen so far this series. So just to recap, uh, in fifth place on ten points, we've got Krista Krull uh, singing "You Keep Me Hanging On." Uh, in fourth. Uh, 
place on 15 points, we've got David Ty. Um, in the third place on 16 points, we've got the Nelvin Sisters. In second place on 20 points, we've got the Spangles, who did uh, a, um, a much better cover of Venus than uh, the Nelvin Sisters, in my opinion. And in first place on 40 points, it's Piffy. Yay! <laughs> and let me say, Remy, you're going to be pretty hard to beat uh, with all of the potluck classics that come up um, in the next 15 episodes. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's not really a claim to anything to be proud of. Though. <laughs> yeah. True love. You know what I It's such a kind of a, a 3 a.m. walking home from the pub version of truth. <laughs> yeah, why don't you play that when you open your nightclub again? Oh. <laughs> what the reaction oh. is when you're about to shut. <laughs> yeah, if, if anyone knows how to contact the Nelligan sisters, Remy will book you. Now, this one's a bit of a special one, not one of the regulars because, unfortunately, there is no Bernard King reveal mm, at the end. Boo. So no. it's going to screw you up. But you do get to see Judas the workings. You, yeah. you do get to see the workings of potluck and, and what actually happens when someone gets called out the audience. Yeah. So that that's mm. quite interesting. Mm. And we have <clears throat> Act 1, Kim Wilson, yes, the Kim Wilson, singing Holding Out for a Hero. <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's better than Krista Kroll, but <laughs> but she she's sort of still kind of out of tune. Yeah, there's there's quite a few audible groans and kind of shrieks from the audience at, during particular notes. <laughs> so like, oh, yeah. I have really a confession to make. I actually don't know Kim Wilson. Like, what was she in? Oh. She was in oh, um, Brides of Christ, Christ and, and a country Sims. practice. And oh, she's yeah. famous for going out with Jeremy Sims of Chance's fame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she, and she also, got famous for Brides of Christ, though, which had, which had been on the previous year. And then she went yeah. into a country practice. Mm-hmm. And she was also yeah. having an affair with Michael Hutchins just before he passed away. Yes. There was, there was yes a, she did. Wow. She was one of the last people to see him. And, and yeah, I think as, all as, the publicity, she f- moved to LA or somewhere in America to escape all of the negative publicity. I, I am going to squeeze this in. <laughs> little from column A, little from column B. <laughs> I, I, I think the best bit of this, though, is is where we see her come out of the audience and hand over her music. You know, it's like an envelope with the with the sheet music in it, which presumably goes off to the band. That yeah. that's that's, that's that almost like my favourite bit it? of this. <laughs> yeah. So that means- oh, oh, it's absolute bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <I> <laughs> I had to double check that the the guy behind her was not Todd Rickson who pulled a hammy, but completely different <laughs> outfit. But yeah, I just had to had to freeze frame oh, and have a look and see who those acts were. <laughs> so yeah, while well, they wrapped up the toilet break, now you know what? 
it's going to screw up your scores, Daniel. Okay, well, because well, like I, I actually was thinking about something similar. I was thinking about much later on, maybe closer to May when actual Eurovision is. But yeah, trying to enlist a whole bunch of people to sort of do Eurovision jury style, like a ranking of the twenty or so acts from the whole series. Um, but I mean, that's sort of an idea I was thinking for much later on. So, well, we could always, towards the end of it, uh, add up all the scores and get the average, and then spread the average out to all the ones who don't get scores. I don't know how we would do that, to be honest. But yeah, there's um, yeah, there's there's no score from from Bernard uh, this episode, apparently because he was too complimentary about her. Oh, so yeah, there's, <laughs> that there's would have no... been gross. Act six, Alan and Brenda singing Rockabye Your Baby with a Dixie melody. <laughs> It did feel like uh, Alex was uh, sorry. Alan, sorry, was was uh, channeling a little bit of Jerry Lewis. Yeah, he did have Jerry, that Lewis, vibe. Jerry Lewis sung this song at, at once. I mean, there's, they've all sung it. You know, I looked this up. So, like Al Jolson, Dean Martin, Judy Garland, Jerry Lewis, Aretha Franklin, Ben Crosby, and Sammy Davis Jr. have all done versions of this. And you know, I I think you know Alan and Brenda have, have heard one of these versions and just gone, well, we could do that. And no, they really can't. <laughs> no, I love them. You know, I, I love it, but it, but it is, it is as Bernard says later, a bit sloppy. Well, yeah. Brenda reminded me of a really uh, degraded version of an RSL club, Red Hot and Ronda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, funny. Yeah. And funny funny you like, say that. Funny you say that, Matt. <laughs> when you look up uh, Alan and Brenda on Google and Potluck, you get a picture of me and Tony Martin. Of <laughs> 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 course. Why Ooh. does this happen? And then you click on it and it's actually a link to the forum back in 2005 oh. and someone has said, what about Alan and Brenda? Christ, that was a dodgy performance. You sort of get the idea that at some stage they'd been doing RSLs, perhaps in the 50s, but they'd spent the last 30 years gardening or hanging about at yacht clubs trying and failing to get membership. The bit early on where they <laughs> rock out has to be one of the most chilling moments in Australian television history. <laughs> that bit where Alan suddenly goes nuts after the suave, gentle introduction, well, has me pissing myself every single time. And then when she can't get her microphone out of the holder, <laughs> then when she starts kicking her leg, then when Bernard says that the bit where she starts kicking her leg was what made it for him, a classic horror Australian cabaret potluck moment. That was by Ocean Throats, commercial yeah. club. <laughs> oh, it's, it's I definitely, love them. I it's, love them. It's, 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 it's definitely cabaret though, isn't it? Like, mm. Yeah. Like, like I assume that Alan and Brenda are putting on a bit of a character sort of thing. It certainly seems like it when... Alan uh, protests to Bernard King, uh, saying that it's Brenda's first time and, you know, be kind. Yeah. yeah. No, I think their tongue is very firmly in their cheek. This is hilarious. This is just them having a funny laugh. And I love it. I think it's really great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like it on, on the whole as well. And and um, when you hear Bernard's it's critique, um, with the amount of points he gave, I think he, he, he liked bits of it too. 
So where does that so, rank them in the uh, potluck yeah. steaks? I absolutely deplore untidy, <laughs> sloppy workers who don't know which is front stage and which is backstage. Excuse me, excuse me, Mr. Moment. Could you be nice with it because it's, it's her first fault. time? I can tell that. women are dreadful to have to play with, especially tall Sheilas. <laughs> when she swung a leg, I forgave her for everything. Good gams there, girl. Get them down on stage. Let's see them all. At least you're amusing. You're dreadfully disorganised, but you were amusing and the song was hateful. I gave you 34. <laughs> song is hateful. <laughs> oh. 34. So hang on, Piffy, Piffy got 40, right? And so yeah. this lot, six less. Only six less. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, going going straight into second place. Um, so, yeah, the, the leaderboard. So uh, Piffy at number one, Alan and Brenda at number two, uh, the Spangles at number three, uh, the Nelligan Sisters at number four, David Ty at number five, and languishing on sixth place, the one and only Krista Krull. Poor Krista. Yeah, and, and who, who would have known that Bernard King was a leg man? <laughs> mm. Yeah, get, get the gams out. A raging misogynist. <laughs> also, also, I, I just want to pause a bit and appreciate a couple of the phrases that that Bernard used: musically untidy, <laughs> <laughs> and the, and uh, that the song was hateful. Yeah, hateful. That was funny. Such <laughs> mastery of the English language, Ben. Uh, <laughs> rehearsal, what's rehearsal, what's rehearsal. <laughs> what, what is? I, I have a question. What What is hateful about "Rockabye"? Your baby with a Dixie melody. It's It's an American <laughs> standard. It's not hateful. It's just he doesn't like it personally. Act three, Christopher Lopes. so much oh man if i hadn't watched this tonight i wouldn't it would never have re-entered my brain right it's just forget <laughs> about but then it's like it isn't it shouldn't be that unforgettable because it's excruciating this poor kid oh. i mean for once bernard is 100 percent spot on this song is completely wrong for this little man he obviously has a bit of talent. He loves finding the camera. He's got these real, what the moves going. <laughs> and then he just demolishes his song. It's terrible. Well, here's Bernard's response. I would suspect that you actually didn't rehearse this music. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have been. This kid's about to cry, have, seriously. And you forgot everything you were told the moment you stepped on that stage. <laughs> to me, the key was far too low for you. Surely your register is more comfortable a couple of notes up, isn't it? Uh, yes. Now, your teacher didn't set that key, surely. Uh, she said it would be a good number for me to sing. No, it's not. Yes? And, it's um, an awful number for a child to sing, but go on. Yeah. I totally disagree with your teacher. And if you, if you genuinely rehearsed this number with your teacher in that key, I would not only join a choir, but I'd change teachers immediately. You didn't do very well today, young man. Fifteen. Oh. Well, Do you know what? When, when, when you're judging children in talent competitions, that's not really how you should do it. You should be a bit kinder. I, I think he was very, very harsh on, on this kid. He I wasn't think, that bad. I don't think Bernard could have gone there. You could have smiled more, Roots. You know, I hardly agree with that. Yeah, a song about, about yeah, missing somebody in a relationship 
it's entirely inappropriate. I'm, I'm reminded of that that bit by Billy Connolly uh, upon seeing Young Talent Time. You know, talking about the, the inappropriateness of uh, little kids singing "I'm Gonna Love You All Night Long." <laughs> I'm, also, I'm also reminded of there was also in the early eighties there was a thing in the UK called the Mini Pops, which was a similar sort of thing, which was little kids singing. And like uh, songs performed by adults with absolutely no sort of sanitization. Like, um, there's also a similar sort of thing in the US nowadays called kids' bop, but at least they sanitize the pop uh, yeah. kids sing within that, in that instance. But yeah, singing missing you when you're somewhere between 12 and 13. I think it's quite endemic of pop rock, isn't it? That they have uh, every time they get like a really young kid on. They're always singing something inappropriate, I think. Oh, definitely. Speaking yeah. of inappropriateness, what's the scores so far? Yeah, what are the scores? Oh. Yeah, okay. So out of the seven outs we've seen that Bernard has given points to, uh, Christopher Lopez is either equal fifth best or equal second worst, depending on how you want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I don't think uh, we've actually determined the, the scale whether <laughs> best or worst means the opposite of what we wanted to be. <laughs> so, um, yeah, at number seven on ten points, we've got Krista Krull, who absolutely murdered You Keep Me Hanging On. Uh, equal fifth, we've got uh, Christopher Lopez and uh, also David Ty, who sang uh, John Farnham's Pressure Down. In fourth place, the Nelligan Sisters, who uh, sang uh, Madonna's True Blue. Uh, at third on 20 points, the Spangles singing Venus, another inappropriate for kids' song. Yes, yes. Uh, on second place with 34 points, Alan Brenda uh, with the cabaret stylings uh, singing Rock By Your Baby with the Dixie Melody. And at first place on 40 points, Piffy on the Bells. Yay, Piffy. Greg Cutcliffe with Billy Joel's My Life. My Life, my life. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, had a, I had a mental blank for a second then, yeah. My brain. I mean, uh, after hearing that assault on, on audio. <laughs> like, Sorry, let me just forgotten check. all of the Billy Joel repertoire. What? <laughs> yeah. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> I did try to reach I mean... out to Greg Cutcliffe um, and all I could find was one person on Facebook which was completely blank. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't get them. Even though I did put the call out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, uh, look, right. you don't need to worry for him because he's all right. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He did say to leave him alone. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, if, if you're scoring Greg Cutliffe, you'd give him 100% for enthusiasm, wouldn't you? Because he oh, he yeah. really he really goes out there and, and tries to deliver. Unfortunately, he can't sing for shit. <laughs> but oh. he's so joyous, isn't he? Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. he's got his points for earnest enthusiasm. I did notice again on YouTube when you look him up, um, yeah, the, the people there – are saying oh things like I hate the laugh track. I can decide for myself whether it's funny or not. Oh, God. <laughs> Go away. Someone else is like, I wonder what Greg's doing now. And then someone has said, Hi there. I know this is an old message, but would you have his most recent contact information? I would appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> that wasn't me. No, we don't. <laughs> what do they want to contact him for? That's fascinating. Again, he just wants to be left alone. 
But Bernard did have his feedback. My notes to you were to learn to sing, but if you're doing it, <laughs> then you're on the way. Maybe reduce the jiggle a little and switch the musicianship. Your final two notes, for instance, were really way off. They drifted off terribly. But I liked your willingness. Little bright face, beaming big smile. 22. Wow. Yeah, that has to be enough. the most accurate um, critique that Bernard's ever given. And actually the <laughs> kindest. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I thought, uh, considering it's been uh, nine episodes in and we might not remember all of the acts uh, in Potluck, uh, I thought we might go uh, through the leaderboard in reverse order. In eighth place, at, um, well, actually, technically not on the leaderboard uh, because we didn't get a score from uh, Bernard, we've got Kim Wilson. Uh, then last uh, in eighth place on ten points, we've got Krista Krull. No, you don't really need. Just keep me hanging on. Then uh, equal sixth on fifteen points, we've got David Tai. And uh, he's tied um, on fifteen points with Christopher Lopez. Then uh, top five uh, on fifth place on sixteen points we've got the Nelligan sisters. Then fourth place on twenty points we've got the Spangles. Coming in at third on twenty-two points Greg Cutcliffe. Runner up, uh, second place on 34 points, Alan and Brenda. My favourite. <laughs> and uh, that leaves on first place with 40 points, everyone's favourite, Piffy. Yay. So, so Greg didn't do so bad, all things considered, seeing as he's come in third. Yeah, Alan and Brenda, <laughs> <Yeah>. watch out. <laughs> well, I mean, thankfully he's not in the same league as, uh, yeah, Christopher, uh, Christopher Krull, rather, uh, or uh, Christopher Lopez. And, uh, yeah, Piffy, uh, well, yeah, he's going to be hard to beat, I think. Uh, not, not to foreshadow it too much, but, yeah, he being on 40 points, yeah. That's four. The wonderful magician, and that is Darren Schutz. I'll place the die into the box and close the doors. And now, with the wave of my hand, the die has disappeared. It is no longer in this side or this side. It is completely and totally disappeared. Now, I know what you're thinking. You want me to open both doors. Well, okay. But I can honestly tell you, there's nothing in here. But as you can see, the die has disappeared from this side and the oh, and this side. It has completely disappeared from here and here. 
and reappeared back in the hat. Thank you. Now, that one in particular, yeah, he, it was a very visual moment. So if you ever find it, like, we'll, we'll tweet out the video and stuff like that. Uh, amazing magic work. How, how does he make that die disappear? Who, know, who can tell how he's doing it? Visibly and invisibly. <laughs> I love the way that the die can be heard. Move, like, yeah. Not only is he tilting it at a 45-degree angle, but it became heard, like, sliding across. Bang. Bang. <laughs> and the, uh, the audience's expression is really what makes it just that kind of deadpan plus the fashion <laughs> the fashions that they're wearing as well but yeah, yeah they're just kind of looking yeah the cutaway <laughs> to the women where they noticed they could see him like tilting it so obviously it's like <laughs> i think we were all on board with him for a while going oh yeah this is cute you know conjuring like that's fine and then it's like oh what <laughs> actually he brings it back he does do the fun reveal which is like and now it's gone yeah. you know that, that's a really good reveal to be fair to him yeah, yeah. i was amazed by the silks yeah the, the silks were good i was always wondering if he did that on purpose and um matt you've got something to well i was actually about, going to say that um it's part of an exclusive champagne comedy podcast chat <laughs> first big trevor now darren schutz yeah <laughs> <laughs> All the stars here on the Champagne Comedy Podcast. Yes, I managed to track down the Darren Schutz and we had a chat to him about his time on Potluck. Darren Schutz, thanks for joining. My pleasure. How old were you when you appeared on Potluck to do that performance? I was 15. Oh, wow. So, yeah, look, a young country magician uh, uh, grew up in the country. I don't think I'd really even met another magician at that point in time. So like a lot of young magicians, I'd started just sort of buying some proppy tricks, that sort of thing from a magic shop I'd found in Melbourne, um, sent for. So that was sort of, I guess, pretty typical of my show <laughs> back then. But I, I did my first puppet show when I was 12, so I'd sort of done a few gigs when I decided this show came along. Oh, why not give it a go? Now, um, how what was the process to actually apply for it and if you can remember any of the process. Yeah, I um, do remember we had to, I guess, apply. I can't remember the exact process there, but we had to go down for an audition. Um, so my parents took me down to Adelaide uh, about a month before where a whole lot of these acts got together. So we did actually audition, um, which I find a bit surprising for you know <laughs> some of us who were on it. But, um, but, yeah, went for an audition and then a month later went back, I think it was a Saturday where we filmed like a week's worth of, of the show. So all the acts, um, we sat in bleachers and the idea of the, the show potluck is that you didn't know when you were going to be on. So we all were given a number and then they started filming the show and then they would just uh, draw out a number or something like that and then we'd go down, have a quick chat with the host, Ernie Sigley, and then get set for doing the show and so then they go to a break come back and and record you know do the performance we didn't exactly see the uh who the second judge was with that because of the editing for it who uh was the second person next to bernard um I, my memory is ann wills oh of course yeah and uh, adelaide's ann wills yes yeah <laughs> and that that's where you're based at the moment aren't you 
That's right. Well, I'm, I'm Barossa Valley, so but South Australia. Uh, yeah. Yes, in, in that yeah. same state. So That's right. Um, how nervous were you when you performed? I, I, I probably wasn't. I was certainly being nervous being with the TV cameras and that on me, but as I said, I'd been doing shows a couple of years. I tend to not struggle too much with nerves, even now doing my shows, because I do put a fair bit of time and practice and prep in, so I'm, I know what I'm one to do and 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 you know i guess that is nerves but yeah. certainly a 15 year old kid there was plenty <laughs> of nerves going on <laughs> naturally yeah so when you had that routine uh and unfortunately the camera cut away now when it tilted and it said all right well when you reacted and went oh yeah. was that that was that um, the, the, I guess the die magically reappearing for a split it, second. It did reappear and <laughs> it was always a, a bit disappointing when we saw the live footage because I'd had a chance before my performance to talk to the producer and I said I, I wanted a like a f- whole front body shot of the, my ha- hands, this box and my expression rather than a close-up just on the box so that they kind of could realise that was perhaps caught me by surprise, but yeah, at that point the dice was visible in the box, and then after that it disappeared again. Um, what they also didn't show at the end, which I only just realised again now, is that I pulled that dice then out of the hat, but they cut away from that too, so you didn't sort of see that that it reappeared <laughs> in the hat. I commend you for having the guts and the <laughs> determination to do that in front of a national audience. And oh, thank you. when that was shown on the late show, because that was done in, was it 86, 87? 87, yeah. Yep. Uh, and to be screened a few years later as a comedic... Uh, bit, toilet break. Oh, yeah, toilet <laughs> break, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's with good compliments. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, when that was shown, like, were you watching the late show at the time? I was. I, I was actually watching that night. I was oh, wow. a fan of the late show, so that was a... Saturday night, I was just sitting at home, so I was probably about 20 at the time, and and I I distinctly remember sitting there watching it, and then Tony Martin, I think, was the one that said my name, and I I think I said, you bastard, but but in all honesty, if I'm, yeah, if I'm honest with myself, I was quite chuffed to be (laughs) selected to be a toilet break on The Late Show. And, and you're talking about the dice trick. When I just watched it again now, I really feel like that's a sucker trick. It's meant for audience interaction, particularly it's a kid's trick. Um, I think the the laughter from the audience of The Late Show was a better response than the audience, you know, in the studio, you know, the day of filming. <laughs> so when they did that cutaway where people looked a bit, uh, I guess, uh, flummoxed, <laughs> was that a, like a bit of a natural reaction, if you could remember, or were you just concentrating so much on the camera and just getting your oh, performance Oh, when, when it got just my face. Yeah. Yeah, as I said, I wanted it to be my face sort of as if it caught me by surprise that the dice was still there. Gotcha. But I wanted them to show that the dice was in there, but that's (laughs) what they they didn't do. They cut just to my face, yeah. As you said, you were watching the late show and and you appeared and you're like, oh, that's great. Did anyone reach out to you, friends or family? And they go, oh, I saw you on the late show. Did you know? Certainly a number of friends all all mentioned it that they – yeah, they had watched it too and saw me there. Absolutely. <laughs> so you, you had an extra 15 minutes of fame, so exactly. to speak. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
And did you take advice uh, from Bernard at all? Or did you just like, ah, whatever, because you're only 15, you still got room to improve, I guess, or? Look, I, I, I went into the whole thing knowing that Bernard could be quite crucial, uh, like quite um, critical and harsh. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, my parents would prompt me too to sort of say, don't take anything to heart, whatever he says. <laughs> but I must admit, yeah, he said about speeding things up, all of that. And then he, in, in fact, I'm pretty sure on the original, um, he, he talked for longer than what they showed on the late show because he really, he said about speeding it up and then he got completely off track talking about some other magicians that he'd seen. Uh, and then he came back and said 32 or whatever. So he really didn't, you know, get stuck into me at all. So I was quite pleased by that. So they weren't too harsh. <laughs> no, not at all. And, in fact, I actually came second on the day of that potluck for, for that day's episode. So oh, fantastic. I, I don't think I completely embarrassed myself. <laughs> what, did, what did you actually win? What was the prize? I couldn't remember, to be honest. I think something like a set of state knives or something like that. I don't know. But I do know that if you won, then you went to Melbourne to go into a like a, a, a final or something like that. Yeah. So uh, at, at the time it didn't bother me at all not to have to then think, well, what other tricks am I going to do? to Because that was going to be quite soon, I think, to go again and do, an, do another episode. So I was more than happy not to have to do that at the time. <laughs> so um, what are you doing right now? Are you still performing or you have mentioned in our chat that you're still doing the odd uh, magic trick or illusion, I should say, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, I, it, it's been my, I guess, hobby, but also sort of sideline throughout, you know, the last 35 years or whatever it's oh, been wow. since then. Um, I I do close up magic, uh, table to table. I do I still do like a stand up show, like an after dinner show, a lot of uh, corporate dinners and functions, that sort of thing. Um, so not the big stage illusions, but more what what's called a cabaret style show. I've worked actually for a long time. My day job is in a winery here in the Barossa. That keeps me busy. So I just do shows, um, yeah, on the weekends or. Yeah, um, just those that come to me, actually. I don't really advertise a lot. I do have that website up that you found. But most of the work I do is just those that come to me through word of mouth and, and referrals and that sort of thing. How long did you keep the get up for, like the hat, the, the clothing? Uh, probably not very long. Um, I, I've had a variety of outfits. Now I generally just wear a suit. Yeah, again, as a as a young kid, that was probably more my mother's influence of, you know, sourcing a, a waistcoat and that sort of thing, yeah. I liked in his interview he talked about, um, he revealed some of the magic of potluck, you know, what yeah. the whole process was for the contestants. So very interesting chat with him. The fact that um, he got the silverware or the steak knives, steak knives and Piffy got the silverware So because he's yeah. the one who won. So it was just really, really cool that... They all win cutlery. Yeah. <laughs> it's called pot luck, and they don't even win any pots. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think there was just, a set of saucepans. Oh, yeah, <laughs> take the saucepans. But I liked I'm, how he was I'm, annoyed. I'm just, yeah. I liked how he was annoyed at some of the the cutaways and how they did close ups of his face rather than the whole kind of whole mm. body. So they so people didn't really understand who were at home exactly how the how the tricks were playing out. Um, but yeah, some really good 
bits of information there, put everything into context a bit. If you do want to book him, he does do the odd uh, stunt still. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he's still doing uh, his conjuring work mm. um, as yeah. well as uh, probably producing a, a, a magically good red wine, hopefully. Yes, he's making <laughs> that wine disappear. <laughs> so, visibly and invisibly yeah. and then and visibly again but if you want to book him or just reach out and say good day you'll love to hear from you uh his website is darren schutz magics it's d-a-r-r-e-n-s-c-h-u-t-z magic.com or go to the barossa valley and go to a vineyard i'm sure that he will be able to help your needs with trying to forget the whole thing with some wine. <laughs> That's why he's in wine, is it? He's yeah. just been trying to forget it the whole time. Get, get some drunk, then he does the dice trick. <laughs> yes, watch these silks disappear and reappear in the middle of your wine glass. It was yellow, now it's completely soaked in red. <laughs> but there is one person that has to judge darren and that is not to forget our favorite person in the world bernard really admire the art i respect you for including some dialogue as you present your work we need to step up the pace there i would have said that in the time you have there three or four tricks would have fitted into that time your silk operation has to be much faster and your disappearing dice even faster i hope to have the opportunity and we all hope to have the opportunity of seeing your work develop 32 and now Darren actually did respond back saying, oh, yeah, can you do better? And so Bernard goes, you want to bet? There's jelly rolls and eyes and hot. <laughs> pot kettle yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love so, that line I respect you for including some dialogue like it really <laughs> would have gone either way there it was like way too much bloody dialogue right <laughs> act two Razia that's it that's all I could use because it was just all music and all dance, no talking. How, how to describe the act that is Razia? I mean, basically, yeah, she's she's got her eyes open really wide. She's dancing around. She's wearing a sort of flamenco dress. The the mm. the music is is pure seventies disco, but but the dancing style is kind of got a Middle Eastern vibe to it. It it's a weird mix of of things that just don't fit together at all. And also, she's she's a rubbish dancer. The choreography is terrible. And yeah, I, th- she, I she also has really... a very bored, disinterested look on her face as well. Yeah, yeah, she's she's obviously really into it, whatever it is that she thinks she's doing. But you know, I I totally agree with Bernard. I'm totally perplexed by it, and it's rubbish. Well, here's Bernard's result. Such a dedicatee of the dance. I usually advise dancers to spend a lot more time at the bar. In the case of your presentation, I would rather have been at the bar, at the cocktail bar, actually, for several days. The other day, we scored a young person 10 for not turning up. Today, I'm being very generous and giving Razi a 10 for turning up. There are areas we're expected to assess your work on. Talent, nil. Presentation, nil. Potential, totally nil. But a sum total of 10 for generosity. Oh, amazing. And 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 we've all, we've heard those uh, words before. Talent nil, presentation nil, potential totally nil. Uh, we heard those earlier uh, in this series um, being uttered uh, after the um, Nolene Donahue video clip. 
<laughs> and we'll also hear them again uttered by one of the cast uh, later on in this series as well. That's just a, an amazing takedown by, by Bernard. And you can sort of see at first Razia is sort of having a bit of a laugh at it with the, yeah. you know, I should have been at the bar, yeah. you know, the cocktail bar. And then he moves on to being utterly serious and the smile just oh, her face. face. You can see the yeah. dreams being crushed. What are the scores so far, Daniel? Okay, so with that sum total of 10 for generosity, that puts her right at the bottom of the leaderboard. Oh. Now, um, I'm not quite sure how, like, if there's two people that are equal first, that means the next ranking is the third, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, well, it's just because we've got a couple of people on 15 points equal seventh. And, um, yeah, Razia shares 10 points equal ninth with uh, the infamous Chris the Cruel, you keep me hanging on. So, yeah, she's right on the bottom of the leaderboard. Tony does set up a very discreet warning, uh, explaining it wouldn't be out of place of a David Lynch movie, and that is Act 4, Ian Evans. (laughs) This is my sweetheart. Yeah, so he he had his hands covering his face and Amber's got her hands covering her face because she just can't bear it. Actually, we all do. I I did put something to the test because it did sound something like that would come out of a David Lynch movie and, uh, oh, I don't know, found this on a bonus feature of the Twin Peaks box set. I do you know what I'm just thinking I'm probably the only person who gets this reference but if you've ever sat through the movie Billy's Holiday you will absolutely it's really like like you know Max Cullen's impression of Billy Holiday it's very, Alison, very I'm totally there with you. Wow, another another person. I think what Ian Evans is trying to do here is he's trying to do like a mixture of impersonations of old film stars and the trumpet in, in this kind of stream of consciousness sort of monologue, musicologue thing. But, you know, to be honest, after about half a, half a minute of this, I just really wanted Red Simons to come in with his gong and just get this guy <laughs> off my screen. I, I just wanted to ask, like, do we actually think that this is an actual, like, I, I don't know what the name of the song is or whether anybody might have recognised it from whatever the hell that yeah, was. Shazam just didn't show up anything. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think I think the the absolute goal in this is uh, what comes from what happens after the performance. <laughs> Not so much from Bernard, but definitely from Ernie Sigley. Mm. Finished, Ian. Yes, Ian Evans. <laughs> Ian Evans with some James Infirmary, and that was uh, Jamie. That's one of your best arrangements. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Ian? 
he took the breeze from the trees, added weird melodies, and presented the death of the blues. 25. 25 from Bernard for uh, Ian Evans. Jackie? I don't dare say what I think. The first time Bernard's ever been silenced. <laughs> I'm so it was very poetic judging. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, like even like Ernie, who's a notorious laugher, giggler, mm. like like mm. making a joke to the to the band leader saying that's one of your best arrangements. <laughs> you nothing to do with it. What's the score? If do you have a, a score, right? Daniel? It got 25 from Bernard, so uh, with his uh, untitled composition, uh, that puts Ian Evans in fourth place. Nice. So, uh, yeah, just uh, in, in, in front of him, we've got yeah, Darren Schutz, um, Alan and Brenda, and, of course, Piffin. Act six, Michael Warren singing Elvis's Don't Cry Daddy. Don't cry, Daddy. The highly confident Michael Warren, uh, and I use those <laughs> quotes as a... Well, he's he's going to be a legend and a millionaire by the time he's 30. Well, that's just Well, him. we all know him, don't we? We all know the name. Yeah. Michael Warren. Yep, and this is Bernard's response. I'm just recovering from the misery of crying. Do you have a very particular ambition, young man? A very big one. I'm going to be a legend. No, I'm going to be an entertainer or everything. I want to make movies. And... Are you? Within yeah. how many years do you expect to achieve this? I'll be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. Yes. I suppose in this crowded and confused world, there's room for yet another dithering, shambling mess who just. <laughs> Modern entertainment business is so perverse. If you find a gimmick. There might be a gimmick you could add to the little that you have to offer that <laughs> stripping might do it. Sixteen, it needs something. Uh, poor, poor Michael. Like just yeah. like putting 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 his head up there and just getting absolutely like you can you can see the 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 glee in Bernard King's eyes going. Oh, you're going to be a legend, are you? And sort of like just absolutely cutting him down. I wondered what he was up to. And I managed to reach yeah. out to Michael Warren, and this is what the legend had to say. Michael Warren, thank you for joining this podcast. No problem. Thanks for asking me. We're talking about your appearance on Potluck, and it was also featured on the late show Toilet Break. You sang on Potluck uh, performing an Elvis cover of don't Cry Daddy. Correct, yeah. It's one of my favourite songs. Now, you are a major Elvis fan, aren't you? A freak, yeah. Major Elvis freak since I was five. How did you get onto Potluck? Well, they had an audition process, but I can't really remember the audition that well. I sort of remember showing up and I think I sang along to the recording, I think. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But I gave them the tape and, and they sort of duplicated the orchestrations and, and that's what happened. What year was this filmed in? 87. And this was all filmed in Adelaide, wasn't it? It was in Adelaide, yeah. I think I think that show travelled around. So they would come to Adelaide and then they'd go to Melbourne and stuff like that. I think, I think that's how it worked. I was given the microphone and I came in late. I sort of couldn't listen to the music properly and I just came in late. And I thought, oh, shit, what am I going to do? And then the microphone didn't work. So that was like my saving grace. And so I stopped. I said, oh, your microphone doesn't work. And they changed the microphone and I just did it again. And so the one you see on the show is actually the second take. 
Bernard King told me that I should be a stripper and a whole bunch of stuff. What was your reaction to Bernard's comments, uh, even though he was known to be a, quite a harsh judge? He was, yeah, he was. Uh, I don't think he was as harsh with me as he was with some others, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, you're sort of expecting it. Patsy Bisco the one, is the one that got me because um, uh, I actually have epilepsy and, and anxiety brings on the seizures. And um, I remember once I wrote a song for my cousin's girlfriend, who's now his wife, and I couldn't get through the song because I kept having seizures all the time because I was so nervous. And, um, and I thought, what am I going to do? Because I don't want that to happen on TV. So I actually had a stubby of beer and a couple of Serapax to sort of <laughs> calm down a bit. Yeah. And I managed to get through it without an issue. <laughs> but when Patsy Bisco, Patsy Bisco comes on and she says, I've never seen anyone so relaxed in front of a camera before. <laughs> now you know why. <laughs> Go to Serapax. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the spot, obviously you're nervous, but also underlining, you, you just you want to be successful with like you're aiming for the stars. So are you a yeah, millionaire? That's right. Are you a millionaire right now? No. <laughs> oh, you became a I'm getting I'm getting married in October. Oh, so congratulations. I'm Richie, I'm sort of rich like. I'm rich in the heart. <laughs> congratulations to that. Thanks a lot. So did you um end up being in other en- entertainment venues like or making movies and or j- TV series or did you just continue on with um your, your recording? No, I just continued doing what I was doing. I did uh one song on another show, uh, I can't remember if it was before or after, I think it was after. Actually, I sang that, That'll Be The Day or something on some morning show in Adelaide. Um, that went over all right. Um, what else did I do? Uh, that's about it, really. I'm, I'm, I, I still record. I write songs and record. I started writing songs then, but I wasn't really confident enough to do any of my own stuff. So I did Elvis because it's what I knew. D- did you end up winning, like, with a score of 16 from Bernard anyway? I got a score of 47, which was the second lowest. Ouch. At least I'm not the lowest. Are you a fan of the Degeneration uh, Late Show when it was on TV? I did watch it, and I watched it um, that night. It was on, and the next day I uh, went into town, went to a favourite record shop where everyone knew me, and every one of them rem- saw it as well. It was it was quite a cultish show. That show was at the time. Everyone watched it. When you saw it, did you uh, freak out, or did you just like, oh my god? Before it was over, I got phone calls. You're on TV. You're on TV. I oh, know. <laughs> just so casual yeah yeah i'm aware of that yeah i'm cool i'm cool <laughs> yeah inside though i'm freaking out and after the late show they remember me I, I, I was getting stopped in the street for 20 years after that i couldn't believe it i remember once i was walking down the street and these um djs were doing a live to air thing in the street and one guy got up and started following me asked me are you michael warren i said yeah he says, you're on potluck. You want to come back and do an interview? So I did an interview with the guy and uh, that was it. That was like maybe nearly 20 years later after the late show. That's crazy. And then 30 years later, I'm having a Zoom yeah, chat and with you. I get a phone call from you. <laughs> I, I used to always say, you know, imagine what I could do if I did something good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. How did you find him? I've got my ways. <laughs> That's so cool. So he's not a millionaire. He's not rich, but he's rich in his heart. So congratulations on your upcoming wedding. Yes. Well done, Michael. And thank you so much for chatting um, to the podcast. So, um, and he's very quite humble. So um, mm. totally opposite to we're all judging him on toilet. 
break really yeah. so his yeah. website if you want to check out his stuff is my songs music it's mai-songsmusic.com it goes under the stage name of lucky jackson which is a character that elvis presley plays in his movies so ah. that's the whole elvis connection that is so nice yeah, so thank you again, Michael, for being a good sport. Okay, so leaderboard time. So um, Michael Warren got 16 points from Bernard. Now that puts him equal seventh on the leaderboard, uh, tying with the Nelligan sisters who uh, sang True Blue in episode five. Act three, Raymond Shield with Balm in Gilead. There is a balm in Gilead. To make the wounded whole, there is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Yeah, I, I, I think Raymond Shield obviously has been singing this at church over the years and he thought, oh, I'll, I'll give it a go on potluck. And yeah, Bernard had things to say. I found a full review of it, like even and Wills. So, as the get this joke, she was part of the desk as well, uh, reviewing or judging Raymond. So, do you want to hear what Anne has to say? You guys have not oh, heard this. Oh, go on. definitely. Yeah. All right, here we go. All right, what did you think, uh, Anne, of Balm and Gilly? I'd never heard of it before, you but wouldn't. that doesn't mean anything, no. really, does it? Because no. I've only just heard that there's this person called Cindy Lauper. I mean, you know, number one right. in Beirut. <laughs> Raymond, look, I feel so sorry for you because I think you are very, very nervous. Am I correct? And, it, you know, like, it's almost like you sort of wish you hadn't done it, don't you, sort of thing. But I've given you 29 points because, really, I know that deep down there there's a voice that's going to come out shortly. And, and perhaps you could come back again. Well, now that you've had your first experience, the worst is over. Come back again. So when you oh. compare that to... Bernard's one. Raymond, did you prepare this work very thoroughly? A lot of rehearsal for it? Not a lot, not a great deal. It needed much, much more. Probably years of <laughs> You see, when you're performing on stage and you gaze at the musician and say, it's your turn and I'm now waiting for my turn and you're nodding at him, I'm sorry, that's, that's total unreadiness. I haven't ever seen any work yet in this series so unprepared, so unready to be seen. One technical fact, if you're going to sing vain, then it must rhyme with again. We don't sing again to rhyme with vain, unless, of course, we sing ben. The reason for rehearsal is technically to so prepare you to appear on stage that should you suddenly be nervous, you are automatically protected from it. You've prepared your work with such efficiency and dedication that you will sail through that nervousness. Underneath, it might be a, a, a seething torment. But out front, you'll glide across it. And that's, that's why, to do a legitimate theatre show, for instance, we will rehearse six to eight weeks. Don't just run through it to the hum of an engine or a passing aeroplane or something. So you have to thoroughly prepare. That position on stage is a very elite position, and you're not ready for it. Fine. Oh, all right. Okay, thank you. Uh, thanks, Bernard. See, the thing is, like, that, that is actually quite good advice, you know, for a performer, right? You've got to rehearse and, and then you're ready to deal with anything that comes up. It, it's just that it, the way he says it, it's really harsh, you know? And I, I, know, Ray, I know Raymond Shield is not a very good singer and, and he needs some criticism, but there's a way to criticise people where you, 
you don't make them suicidal, <laughs> you know, and, and Bernard didn't quite achieve it there. So when you compare it to Anne's uh, critique, uh, Anne was basically like Bernard's, just more polished and gentle. I, I think, yeah. I think, but but Anne's is kind of unhelpful because it it doesn't actually give him any advice. It just makes him feel better. Whereas Anne, Anne Wills might have uh, might as well have uh, put in the stock standard. You could have smiled more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, and that you is, need that is worse. <laughs> you, you need you kind of need somewhere in between what Anne Will said, you know, which is you know don't give up, be positive, and keep trying, and all that. And so, and what Bernard said, which is you know you need to learn the techniques. You need someone. You need criticism in between that. I think. You're you're you're, you're right. It, it is really uh, yeah, both ends of, of the spectrum really. And I mean, Bernard's not really wrong. It's just that he's really really blunt with the truth. What was the total scores that you've got so far, Daniel? You can't include Anne's score there. Raymond got five points, and uh, this means uh, something really good for Razia. Oh, wow. (laughs) Who only got ten points, so she's no longer at the bottom of the leaderboard. It's now, uh, yeah, Raymond Shield with five points. Ouch. Wow. Mm. I don't think he deserved that low of a mark, but but hey. (laughs) Thanks, Razia's five Razia is five points better than Raymond. Mm. That means she's she's twice as good as as uh, Raymond, <laughs> and she and, and and she had you know nil talent, nil presentation. Yeah, what was it? Uh, yeah, talent, nil talent, nil presentation, nil potential, totally nil. But a sum total of ten for generosity. We have Act Six, Rita Eldridge. Now, Rita reminds me of my kindergarten teacher. Just that, Aww. you know, the piano playing. Anyway, here it is. Those little laughs are when she's just grinning away, occasionally just reminding herself, oh, I should smile for the judges. Rita, Rita Eldridge is basically every every single person in the 90s who had a maiden aunt or a piano teacher yes. <laughs> who Rita, or, or that sort of slut, that, sort of, that, that weird woman from the end of the road, that, that's Rita Eldridge. And wearing yeah. uh, Miller's Fashion Club you know, clothing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I thought that might have been Joy Reen, perhaps. <laughs> oh, Ad- Adelaide's own Joy Reen. <laughs> That's obscure. Look it up, us, I think. Oh, but but I, I imagine that there are some Joy Reen ads on YouTube that people can look for. It was it was it was it was very very much uh, yeah dresses for the for the older woman. <laughs> yes, going going to a wedding possibly. It, um, it was a very it was a very mother of the bride type fashion <laughs> at Joy Reid. I got a lot of power of the dog vibes off this act. It was like, well, this could go anywhere. Like <laughs> woman who knows how to play happy show tunes, like they're gonna eviscerate her. I was like holding my breath. <laughs> and yeah, she's she's sort of doing that very nineteen eighties kind of thing in which she's she's essentially she's playing a medley. So, like, all, all I'm thinking of as she's going from one song to another is, you know, things is, is things like Hooked on Classics, Hooked on Swing, yeah. Stars on 45. But without the drum beat, without the... Doom, 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 doom. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's exactly... That thud, clap, thud, clap, thud, clap. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why Bernard, just uh, in his comments, he says, well, you'd be great with a few other people accompanying you. We could release some albums. and On K-Tel Records. Yeah. <laughs> 
He also also calls her your dear old thing. She must have lots of happy people gypsy tapping around her lounge room every time she tinkles away like that. Your dear old thing. Why don't you get a good sax player? We've got one here is available in a minute. And a nice little old drummer and a banjo player there. And make records. KTEL would sell thousands of them. Especially if you do your own commercials too. That always adds a touch of something je ne sais quoi. 21, darling. 21. 21. What the hell is gypsy tapping, though? Yeah, I need to know what gypsy tapping is. But also, what was that underhanded comment to the saxophone player? We've got one that will just become available uh, very soon now. <laughs> the saxophone oh, player is like, excuse me, I did not volunteer. <laughs> there's, an, there's an awful lot of sarcasm in Bird's um, sort of re- remarks there, yeah. isn't there? Especially, yeah. especially the, uh, well, as we've learned from commercial crime stoppers, yes, appearing in your own ad. Yeah, I think that was the, the mean part of it. Like, clearly she's not. She's not going to be made for ads. <laughs> well, Rita's album is sitting right next to the Panpipe Classics. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 20 Inappropriate Love Songs. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, 21. That, what a score. It is, Matt. Uh, that puts uh, Rita Eldridge with her piano medley uh, in sixth place. Sixth. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, just behind uh, Greg Cutcliffe, uh, who we just mentioned earlier, uh, in fifth. Get the spreadsheet out and... Uh, no, well, I just... I, I, I add to it week, week by week. And I think I might have accidentally put her sixth when I should have put her fifth. Because, yeah, in yeah, front sure, of her... Surely she's got, better than Greg Cutcliffe. Yeah, it's going to say better than Greg, but uh, probably Piffy's oh, still... Only slightly Greg Cutcliffe got 22. Love Greg. Ooh. Oh. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, no, I'm right. It, uh, she, she, she is six. So, yeah. Uh, wow. Six reader Eldridge... Uh, fifth, uh, Greg Catcliffe. Fourth, uh, Ian Evans with uh, that mystifying performance. Uh, <laughs> Darren Schutz with his magic act. Second, Alan and Brenda. And first, um, well, you know his name, Piffy. Thank you for making it this far to the special edition of the Champagne Comedy Podcast, the Potluck Special. Please share and subscribe and tell your friends all about the Champagne Comedy Podcast, no matter how good or bad you think the podcast is. The more downloads, the more listeners we have, the more that I can convince special people to come on the show and actually have a good old chat. My name is Matt. I'll catch you in the next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com. Produced by Matt Fulton Productions, mattfulton.com.au.